2: Happy Tuesday, everybody. It's February 6th. Steve Gale along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Aber, also Charlie Long, running things behind the glass at Master Control. Going to get into some Saints talk this hour. After the first break, we'll welcome in Evan Giddings. He's a host and producer of 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. Get a little more insight on new offensive coordinator Clint Kubiak. Obviously, nothing can become official for the Saints until after the Super Bowl. The Niners taking on the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday. And, well, Cajun Cannon, a former defensive coordinator for the Black and Gold, is a defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. And Steve Spagnuolo can become the only coordinator in NFL history to win a Super Bowl with multiple teams.
3: Okay, uh, so repeat that again, Steve, because I want to elaborate on that. Steve Spagnuolo,
2: only coordinator NFL history to win a Super Bowl with multiple teams, right.
3: With multiple teams. Uh, So, uh, Scott Chandler, don't hold this against me, but I'm going to expose this. that if he's won with multiple teams, uh, I think he knows what he's doing defensively.
2: Did not the uh, year with the Saints, though, unfortunately. No,
3: Bounty Gate in 2012. Uh, we had the worst defense in NFL history. What? The worst defense in NFL history on Most this Most yards of
2: any defense in NFL history. That is sad. We
3: got gashed. Thank God we had Drew Brees. That year we went 7-9. and nine. We Magically. Won. Without Drew Brees, we uh, won about two or three games. It would be like, oh, we scored 38 points and we lost. What? Oh, it was like 38-41 to 41 or 42, whatever we lost. No, Spags came that year, and he was running out defense. We all know um, uh, what happened with uh, Greg. Uh, 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 Greg Williams. Greg Williams. Uh, and we had to run him out of town because of Bountagate. So Spags comes on board. And all of a sudden, we have the worst defense in NFL history. To me, that's still mind-boggling. I cannot grasp what occurred that season. Now, as soon as Sean Payton came back, uh, the first thing he did was fire.
2: Adios Spags.
3: Yeah. Well, it, was fire, it was fire Steve Spagnuolo. Okay, you got to the go. Then whatever you done for me lately, look what he's done with the Chiefs and Andy Reid. It's amazing. That's why you got to be able to compartmentalize, have confidence in yourself. Different opportunities. Now, Steve, you have the resume of yeah. Steve Spagnuolo. After the Saints, he oh, no, started... no, 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 no. You, you want to go? You got to go before that because of what he did with the Giants. Uh, you have to look at, uh, come on, he, he was like one of the top D coordinators as far as winning Super Bowls and all that.
2: Yeah, obviously uh, he started off uh, college ranks. Uh, did some stuff with the Barcelona Dragons no, no, as well. No, no, but after that, yeah, uh, we'll go after first that, first got into the NFL, Philadelphia '99 as a defensive assistant. Okay, uh, but I was talking more the Giants, like. I, I okay, wanna... yeah, the Giants. He became their defensive coordinator in 2007. Uh, then in '09, head coach of the Rams. You you know, remember that. Right. Uh, Then uh, his stint there till 2011 and 12, he became the defensive coordinator for the Saints. Oh, okay. But
3: as far as his involvement, like he is with Andy Reid as far as winning Super Bowls. Yeah. Wasn't that with the Giants? Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about his input as far as being a defensive coordinator and uh, and winning championships. This is the... uh, Situation that uh, it's mind-boggling to me. Very similar, like I said earlier, with Michael Thomas. His first four years, <laughs> when it was as good as it gets, yep. he's the NFL offensive player of the year. He's averaging 117 and a half receptions a year, right under 1,400 yards. That's the average. Okay, the average. average. Yeah. Okay. Then all of a sudden, uh, you look at uh, the four years since. He has a total of 95 receptions, a total in four years, and then a little over 1,000 yards. This is very similar to Spaggs, considering that you know, you're on that roller coaster, right place, right time. So all I'm saying, if he coached the worst defense in NFL history with the Saints in 2012, Bounty Gate, uh, that, again, we're a 500-team but our defense was horrendous. It was the worst defense in NFL history. It's amazing we won seven games, Uh, Drew Brees. Uh, That's why we're able to do that. But to me, okay, if I'm uh, uh, analyzing this, I would say, okay, you got players, you got coaches. How does uh, they respond to one another? I'm like, okay, maybe – that he was the scapegoat for that season because we were so bad defensively because he's the man in charge. Well, maybe it was – how about maybe it was the players? It was the players because all of a sudden he goes with Andy Reid and the Chiefs, and he's working magic. <laughs> the Chiefs this year have the number two defense in the NFL kicking ass with young players. So I think – okay, again, this is what I think. No matter uh, – I. I, I I agree. It's a combination of the coach and the quarterback. But I think great players make great coaches. Again, great players make great coaches. For instance, I'm going to look at uh, from a local perspective and from a national perspective. Okay, Who, who do you give credit to, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick hmm. now?
2: Absolutely, Tommy Tom Boy. Tom Brady.
3: Who do you give credit, uh, Drew Brees or Sean Payton? More Drew Drew Brees. Okay. I'm not saying the coach doesn't have nothing to do with it. It's a combination of the head coach and the quarterback. But the damn quarterback (laughs) makes a difference. Tom Brady. Drew Brees. Look at Andy Reid. Why in the hell Philadelphia got rid of him? Well why? Who doesn't like Andy Reid? He goes to Kansas City.
2: Right, it was it was was always the knock of, oh, Andy Reid can only bring a team this far. Well, he he needed the quarterback.
3: <laughs> he, uh, okay. Uh, the, 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 the guy from uh, Syracuse. I can't think of the name, McPherson.
2: Don't, oh, I was going to say McNabb. Oh, oh, McNabb.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> McPherson. Uh, McNabb. I'm, I'm going way back. Yeah, yeah, McNabb. Oh, okay. McNabb's very good, but it ain't Pat Mahomes. Absolutely not. Okay. So all of a sudden, uh, you think Andy Reid's coaching better? No. He's doing what he's always done, but he got Pat Mahomes. Kind of helps. I'm telling you right now, that's why you might. Oh, hey, Barry, just taking up for the quarterbacks. No, I'm not. I got. I can show you all those the track record. What I just mentioned. <laughs> These are all great coaches. What you got, Charlie? All you'd, great coaches, but the damn quarterback make the difference.
4: You'd be hard pressed, I think, to find a guy that's more hit or miss than Steve Spagnola. Like. I'm looking at his career just at a glance. I mean, he was the D.C. with the Giants from 2007 to 2008. That first year with the Giants, I'm going to only talk about first years because I think this is pretty interesting. First year with the Giants as their D.C., he wins a Super Bowl, right? His first year with the Kansas City Chiefs in 2019, he's been their D.C. since 2019, they win a Super Bowl. His first year with the Saints, the worst defense in NFL history. (laughs) Ever. Now, get this, guys. He went back to the Giants in 2015. His first year with the Giants in 2015, they were awful, Like This team, in his return to the Giants, they finished 32nd in the NFL in yards allowed. And they also allowed the most passing yards in NFL history at 4,783. And the third most (laughs) points in the NFL that season. So this guy is hit or miss. Like his first year, he wins a Super Bowl with the Giants in 2007. Then his first year with the Saints, worst defense in NFL history. His first year back with the Giants, they're bottom league in in yards allowed in most passing yards in NFL history. And then his first year with the Chiefs, they won a Super Bowl.
3: Well, it's weird. Hey, Charlie, you know what that's telling me, though? Okay, it's a combination because it's a team sport. It's the quarterback of that team. I'm I'm just saying because I guess Mahomes, I'm going with there. I have to look at the Giants and what occurred with uh, (laughs) I think it was Eli then who they had Eli. But to me, again, coaches do make a difference, but it's the players. And pointing now, the one thing I give Spags, if you have the right players, maybe you're pointing him in the right direction, and you know how to utilize them. Right. In other words, you know the old saying, "You can't make chicken salad out of chicken." <laughs> you, you know, know what? what. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> I'm telling you. So, I think Spags coach how he knows how to coach, and if a player can play, they're gonna respond. Maybe if they're not uh, that gifted are talented, it might not work out, and then it's a reflection of the coach. Oh, that coach sucks. Uh, no, maybe the players aren't that good. And it's at the NFL level. A pro versus a pro, you're still talking about the best against the best, but there's still different levels. You can be a pro, but not the best pro. You might be on the bottom of the league, and then uh, uh, Spags not
2: that magical to make that work. We were just talking about an old Saints defensive coordinator. Now we're going to get into a new, soon-to-be offensive coordinator when we get back from the break. Evan Giddings, host and producer of 95.7 The Game in San Francisco, will help us break down Klim Kubiak when we get back right after this on WWL.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect, impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good
5: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Super Bowl Sunday rapidly approaching. Happy to welcome in host and producer of 95.7 The Game in San Francisco, Evan Giddings to WWL. Thank you for the time, my man. I'm sure it has been very busy getting ready for the big one in Las Vegas.
6: <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm actually going to be heading out to, to Las Vegas tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to seeing all the festivities. It'll be my first time on Radio Row, and I just I really can't wait to see this game because a lot of people are kind of pegging both sides as you know potential favorite. Is it a coin flip? We got two uh, monster head coaches, an up and coming quarterback, and obvious for sure, Fire Hall of Famer. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it.
3: Now, Evan, uh, I would think that the 49er fan base uh, would be a little disappointing what they've done defensively. And what I mean by that, I'm looking at the defensive line, um, and you look at times when they were dominant, but not so much against the Packers in the lines, especially that first half when they were getting gashed. Uh, I mean, so uh, that's something. Uh, have y'all addressed that, uh, that well, look, uh, we got to win up front. Uh, look, I am a big fan. I look at their linebacking core, and I look at mm. Fred Warner. I look at uh, Dre Greenlaw and all Greenlaw. I mean, th- th- those cats could play, but you still got to win up front. And uh, to me, at times, I'm looking at the Packers and the Lions game. They were getting gashed.
6: No, you're, you're absolutely right. And really, outside the numbers is where they got hurt, and really where they've been hurt all throughout the season. I think they're a bottom 10 run defense outside the tackles, giving up nearly five and a half yards per carry. And that's something that's been constant even before they went out and traded for Chase Young. So in my opinion, even though a lot of people have been pointing fingers at someone like Steve Wilkes, uh, who I think has been, Really quite an impressive, in his first season, defensive coordinator. I, I think it's on the personnel. I mean, you spent big money in the off season. Obviously, you extended McBosa, largest quarter, non-quarterback contract. You gave $84 million to Javon Hargrave. I, I'm sorry. I, I need those guys to play better. I need Eric Armstead, who makes a lot of money to step up. I mean, you need, you need Chase Young, who was a trade acquisition to not be lackadaisical at times. I I need to see more effort from that defensive line, and that's, I think, probably the biggest question for me in addition to the other side of the trenches on the offensive line. How do they stop a pass rush that is particularly good for Kansas City? They also struggle in the run, so I think this honestly might come down to a situation where which team is more effective on the ground, even though everyone's going to be looking at, okay, these signal callers are the ones that can dial up the deep ball when they need to.
3: Now, uh, Evan, along those lines, uh, like, have you heard, like, uh, I don't know, from Boza and all the team leaders, uh, like, uh, Fred, did they put it upon themselves or did they try and pack, pass the buck? I'm looking at, we'll look at Boza. Uh defensive player of the year in 2022 uh, what had a, a franchise record, 10 sacks in the postseason. Uh, mm. So h- how do they recognize Do they look in the mirror and say, uh, no, uh, everybody wants to talk about, like, uh, Mahomes versus Brock Purdy, how about we do our damn job?
6: (laughs) Um, I'm I'm with you. I'm certainly hoping that that's the case because they got a lot of game-changing players on defense. You mentioned Bosa. You talked about the linebackers, Fred Warner being a first-team All-Pro yet again, Charverius Ward a second-team All-Pro on the outside at cornerback. They got playmakers. It's just about those guys making plays, and I feel like sometimes – there isn't as much buy-in on the defensive side because there's so much talent. Those guys try to individually wreck individual plays, and sometimes you can get hurt when you're not playing collectively as a unit. So this is a defense, and look, Bosa got two sacks against Detroit, though he had a four-game streak not getting a sack previous to that in the postseason. Um, you know, I think this is a defense that you're wondering, okay, which Jekyll or Hyde is going to show up in this game? I expect to see the best effort. But I'm not sure how it's going to play out because Mahomes is particularly good at getting the ball out quickly. They're also a much improved running game. So I think it's going to be playing a little bit of chess and see how Steve Wilks, is he someone that's not afraid to dial up the blitz? Because throughout his past, he's liked to get aggressive as a D.C. This is a Niners defense throughout the season, I think has been bottom five in terms of blitz rate. So how do you kind of mix and match and change the picture for Mahomes when he might know what you're expecting?
3: Now, uh, Evan, how does the 49ers uh, fan base – I'm going back to late 80s, early 90s and all that. Um, that when I played – that's like I played, uh, for instance, uh, I played Joe Montana 11 times yeah. on 1-2. Mm. I have a winning record against Hall of Famer Steve Young, though this is counting USFL. Uh, Michigan <laughs> Panthers, Oakland Invaders, and LA Express, but 5-3 uh, and three against Steve Young. But when I look at the Bay Area and I played in Oakland – So I I appreciate my time there, even though it was only one year in 1985. But how do they view, to me, Brock Purdy? I think it's like a poor man, Drew Brees, whatever. Now, it's basically one season, a little bit more, and I don't know what's going to happen. But when they say, like, and I've said this before, when you talk about Evan, how can you be a game manager in this day and age, how the rules are structured, that here's an NFL passer. He has the number one passer rating in the whole National Football League. But this is the thing that caught my attention. How can you be a game manager and lead the NFL in yards uh, per attempt <laughs> passing? Mm. Uh, that's not a game manager stat right there. Come on.
6: No, you're right. And he has made game-changing plays throughout this off season as well. You know, whether you want to label him a game manager or not is completely up to you. But I personally would lean towards someone that can operate both in and outside of the system. And that, to me, is the biggest difference for Brock Purdy to his predecessors in, in San Francisco. Now, Kyle Shanahan has not had someone that I think he can rely on to, you know, whether it's kind of improvise or, or you know, operate right. outside of the scripts there hasn't been anyone with Kyle Shanahan that has been able to do that. So I'm a hundred percent with you. And I think the rest of the San Francisco 49ers fan base is also there. I would say that the majority of people haven't put him in the Montana or the young category, because that's unfair, right. but if he wins this super bowl, you start to look ahead and say, what is this guy going to be able to do? Because he's still on a rookie contract and the team's still going to be good around him. I think that's another reason why there's so much pressure behind this game for Purdy. It's, well, if he gets it done now, what else can he accomplish in his young career?
3: Now, uh, Evan, I, I want, uh, because, you know, you look at the quarterback position, whether it's Pat Mahomes or whether it would be like Lamar Jackson or even uh, uh, Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. Our coaches, our offensive coordinators, are they patient enough that you always want the big play or the splash play, but are you willing to run the football what it might take? I mean, I thought it was terrible, uh, Ravens' game plan. Uh, they were number one oh, rushing yeah. the football, and the running backs only get six rushing attempts. I would think what the Packers and the Lions did, what Isaiah Pacheco uh, that uh, look how hard he is. beast mode, the way he runs. I'd be shocked if he don't have 15 to 20 attempts. Now, that's less of Pat Mahomes, but along those lines uh, with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, we remember Christian McCaffrey with the Carolina Panthers in the NFC South. Well, now, look, uh, they had to trade, what, the second pick, third, fourth, and fifth to get Christian McCaffrey before uh, last season's trade deadline. He might end up being the MVP. I don't know. Uh, But to me, a quarterback's best friend is always giving a talented running back, like a McCaffrey or a Pacheco, give them attempts and touches, and it could also be like a simple pass where you're counting on the yards after the catch, which is like a long handoff. So a lot of times everybody wants to see the big play, the big play. All of a sudden, are you productive? So I'd be shocked uh, looking at both offenses. If Pacheco's not more involved, then obviously also Christian McCaffrey.
6: I think you're spot on there. And I think that Shanahan is not someone unlike in Baltimore that is going to stray away from the run if it's working. Now, I know that the biggest, I guess, questions surrounding Kyle Shanahan in these types of games is, well, in-game play calling. You know, in, in Atlanta, they said, right. you know, he-, he went away from the pass and ran it. Um, in Super Bowl forty-seven, or pardon me, in, uh, forty-four against the Chiefs, the last time they met. Well, he didn't run the ball enough down the stretch. He tried to do too much. So, how is he going to sort of balance the offensive weapons that he has? I'm with you. I think that Christian McCaffrey is a guy that needs to tote the rock. I mean, maybe not John Riggins type numbers here, uh, but but right. like someone that demands the ball and the amount of touches that he's going to get can determine how far the Niners can push this Chiefs run defense that has been a little bit leaky. I know that the pass defense has been fantastic, and overall they're number two, but I think Kyle Shanahan's looking at that Buffalo film and seeing, hey, this is a team that whether it's with the quarterback or James Cook or others, they put up 185 yards on the ground against this Chiefs team and push Patrick Mahomes to the limit. I think that's a game plan that has to be enforced early on, and this is how I balance it. I look at Christian McCaffrey in this offense – As the kindling. He's the guy who starts the fire. And then Brock Purdy is the one that pours gasoline all over it and the flame ensues. This is an offense that, when properly balanced and starts with McCaffrey, I think, is one that can take down the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes
2: talking to Evan Giddings from 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. And obviously, our audience here, the Houdet Nation, very curious to learn more about Clint Kubiak going to be coming the offensive coordinator of the Saints after the Super Bowl. Uh, what can you say about the Niners passing game coordinator, what he's done one year there in San Fran?
6: Well, obviously, his, his impact has been felt and any quarterback that you're attached to, whether it's the quarterback's coach, the OC, the passing game coordinator like Kubiak is, Um, He's going to get a lot of credit for what Brock Purdy's been doing. And I think that it's a smart hire because right now any association with Kyle Shanahan is typically a good one, especially (laughs) on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you look at the head coaching hires, but also the coordinators that have flown under the radar, and that's a room that on the offensive side of the football has got a lot of collective knowledge. Now, Clint, obviously, with his father being who he is, has you know, that understanding of the game and professionalism. He's been around the block as well. Minnesota, he's worked under Norv Turner. He's worked with Kevin O'Connell. He's worked with some brilliant offensive minds. But you look at the head coaching experience in San Francisco, along with the coordinators, you got Kyle Shanahan, who's been an OC. You got Anthony Lynn, who's also understood how you play off the pass with the run as being both the head coach and a run game coordinator back in Buffalo. So there's a lot of collective knowledge in that San Francisco room. And to me, Just looking at kind of what the New Orleans Saints weren't able to do this year um, with their passing game, I think Kubiak's going to be able to help that. Whether it's drive the ball down the field, whether it's also play off of the run with the pass, you know, I I think this is someone that understands that. You know, yes, he's the passing game coordinator, but Kyle Shanahan's offense and really the Mike McDaniel, the Matt Lafleur, the Sean McVay's. Everything does start with the run, an area that the Saints, to my knowledge, were, were a little poor in this season. No, they season. were terrible. So, they, they, they were, yeah. <laughs> you
3: know, whatever we we gave up. You got to flip the script. We gave up four and a half yards a run, and we averaged three point yeah. four.
6: We got to do just, you, you know,
3: give up uh, three point four and average four and a half.
6: Yeah, you're right on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I think even though Kubiak does come from a passing kind of background. He understands the importance of establishing the run, and that'll take pressure off of his quarterback. We're talking about Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes. You've got to take pressure off him with the run. So I think he's going to be able to enforce that as well. And uh, you know what uh, I like also, Evan? Uh, you know,
3: you got all these young minds, whether they're 35, 36, or mid-30s, whatever, and you might say, oh, they're the quarterback coach or they're in charge of the pass game coordinator. You know what I wanted with the Saints, and this is why I was on board with this, and I think uh, most of the, who that nation is, because he's not a virgin. What are you talking about, not a virgin? No, <laughs> he is called plays in an actual NFL game with uh, with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. Yep. Uh, so that's what I look at. Okay, because uh, I can tell you this, uh, Pete Carmichael, uh, now uh, he's called plays before, but you, if you counted upon the call plays, there's an the art to that. Uh, you could set up – And, like, that's why Sean Payton brought Pete Carmichael to Denver because to help set up a game plan. Okay, what are we going to do in the red zone? You know, that little bird in your ear? Or whether, okay, what a third down, give me some suggestions. But to actually call plays, that's a craft. There's an art. And I think Clint Kubiak, now, he wish he maybe has more experience, but he's done it before. And being around Shanahan and all, I think he understands how you set up one play or maybe looking into the future four or five plays down the road, what are you trying to set up? Now, it's not 100% because we all human, but uh, that's what I like. Clint Kubiak has called plays before in the National Football League. That That's one thing that I, I'm trying to tell the Saints fan base that I'm encouraged by. It.
6: No, you're, you're absolutely right. You, you can't replicate repetitions and in live in-game bullets. Those are things, and I'm sure you know that better than than most. You, you, you can't simulate what a game is going to throw at you, especially if you're an offensive play caller. So the fact that he's got that under his belt, in addition to also understanding and seeing how Shanahan approaches that in-game and being a big part of it as well, um, that is huge. And and so I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with the Saints offense that, you know, from a passing perspective, has a lot of weapons. I think that the running back is is still – Um, a solid position, but how is he able to extract the best out of a unit that I think can absolutely help them challenge and should honestly challenge for that division?
3: Now, Evan, I don't know if no one asked you this, but I was thinking about this. You know, everyone's intrigued with the Super Bowl or, uh, you know, uh, the most meaningful of games. Has there ever been a Super Bowl that maybe on this level has had a better, we always talk about duos, and I'm not talking about uh, you know Taylor Swift and Kelsey, <laughs> but a duo of tight ends. And when you look at Kittle, uh, when you look at Kittle and Kelsey, yep. is there a better pair of tight ends in the Super Bowl considering how confident they are and how they can produce? I don't know. I, I think this is the best Super Bowl. When you look at Kittle, where he's at right now, I don't know, they have, what, some university, tight end university? I think they best buds <laughs> and all that. Yeah. But when I look at Kittle and Kelsey, I don't think it gets any better than that right now.
6: I I think that's a really great point. And, you know, just off the top of my head, I don't know if we've seen a type of matchup where there's been this this level of, of cachet at the tight end position. You know, because I, right. I, I don't think that, I, I'm not sure Tony Gonzalez was on that Falcons team when they played Rob Gronkowski. So I'm not sure if there's been oh, a, that's a good fame. point that
3: that might be, yeah. that might be, uh, that might be true. Yep. Yeah.
6: Yeah. So I, I think that that's really the only one that I can kind of remember, but you're right. I mean, first team, all pros in the same season, um, obviously one's headed to the hall of fame and just passed up another San Francisco 49er great Jerry Rice for most receptions all time in the post season. Um, Kelsey and Mahomes have been absolutely unstoppable, and Kittle has been, even though sometimes he doesn't get at the ball as much, uh, he's so active and he's so paramount of, of importance as to what the Niners want to do in both the run and the passing game. So just because you might not see him catch a ton of balls on Sunday doesn't mean that he's not working. This is a, a, a tight end, and I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to love this as a Smash Mouth football fan. George Kittle pancaked Aiden Hutchinson during that game. Oh, I saw that. That was game. awesome. Oh, no, it it
3: was like, uh, I can guarantee when they get together at an off-season barbecue or golf (laughs) tournament, it was like, uh, I I guarantee he can't talk crap uh, to Kittle. He's like, uh, you know, he he remembers. uh, Let me tell you, uh, players don't forget those kind of things that happen. No doubt. He got
2: put in his neck. (laughs) Evan, thank you so much for the time, my man, and enjoy your time when you head out to Las Vegas.
6: I appreciate any time. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, Evan.
2: That's Evan Giddings, host and producer of ninety-five point seven, the Game in oh, San Francisco.
3: Uh,
6: I'm glad he brought up
3: that hit, did, did you, uh, Charlie. Y'all, everybody saw that. Oh yeah, he got gored. You know about getting gored. Uh, like, uh, like, all of a sudden, eh, slam! Huh. I mean, he got to put, put on his neck. That was and, like,
2: uh, not along the same lines, but when McCaffrey stiff armed uh, C.D. Deuce.
3: Uh, yeah, but 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 it's like almost when you get your hands inside, and it's like you go, okay, who got the power and the will, and then all of a sudden, put on your neck. Huh. No, in other words, the first thing that hits the ground is the back of your shoulder pads and your neck area. No, that that's very humbling. Uh, That's I guarantee that never happened to him at University of Michigan.
2: More hard hitting stuff coming back after this right here on WWL. Sometimes I come across audio and I want to play for the Cajun Cannon. So, uh, Derek Carr recently appeared on the Two G's in a Pod show with James Jones and Amber Theo Harris. They asked him recently about the criticism that Michael Thomas, wide receiver, took to Twitter about and calling Derek Carr out basically for a bad football and contributing to his injuries. Here's what Derek Carr had to
7: say to that. You know, I probably didn't throw the best ball, but if that's how he wants to view it and how he wants to see it, completely fine by me. You know, and I, I understand also that when I came in the building, you know, we have Chris Olave, who they were trying to train to be the number one guy. Shouldn't so all of that. a sudden, every rep and every read in practice is Chris first. And as a superstar that Mike is and what he has been, I can understand you're dealing with all the injury noise. You're dealing with now Chris has become a guy and he loves Chris. You know, that's his guy, Ohio State, all that but I can understand where the frustration begins to build. You know, I can understand where all those things begin to take place. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, there was times during the season where he'd be frustrated or this or that. And I wouldn't, you know, tweet about it. I would just call him and I'd just be like, look, bro, like this is what it is, bro. we're grown grown men. We can talk about anything. And uh, every time that, you know, I went on there and, you know, talk to him. You know, there was times where I, you know, went at him and co- confronted him about something and said something. And he probably over time with all the frustration grew to not liking that, you know, but I've for always what? just tried to tell the truth in love. And sometimes people don't like it, you know, but, you know, I, I hope Mike finds what he's looking for. I hope he gets everything he wants uh, in life because I do love Mike. Uh, but at that moment, I didn't really like it. You know, I was <laughs> like, you just, just called me, bro. You know, that, to say oh, that, this, to say all these things, like, I felt like it was like we're doing like some middle school thing, man. Just talk to me. And Mike was great about talking to me. But in that moment, you know, that's why I just try and stay off social media, man. There's so much love. There's so much hate. Just try to stay off it.
2: Cajun Cannon, you were Uh, shaking your head there.
3: uh, No, it's like passive aggressive. Uh, So so why don't uh, why are you sharing that? I, I guess this day and age podcast, that's what you do. But why are you sharing that?
2: You mean Derek Carr.
3: Yes, you talk to him man-to-man, uh, yes yes, yes well, that, no Yeah, goes. that's what he was
2: saying, like, call me instead of telling Michael well, Thomas on are Twitter. why you sharing that
3: with the public?
2: <laughs> right, I uh, hear uh, you there. You know,
3: you know, Michael Thomas is going pecan. He's not even here. Why are you even bringing that up? No, you, you don't have to uh, say a positive, say a negative. Say a positive, <laughs> say a negative. You play both sides of the fence. Man, you could say, no, uh, I'm the freaking quarterback. This is the way it is. You don't have to, like, kiss nobody's butt just the way it is, <laughs> and you go from there. And you don't have to listen, that could all be in the meeting rooms, or you, know, you talk man to man. But you don't have to share that with the public. I don't know. Maybe this day and age, the public, they love to hear that kind of stuff, but they don't need to hear that. I'm telling you, as a leader, you don't have to share all that. You have to say this is what's uh, called upon for you to do what, what I have to do. You touch my money. We're all working together and all that. But to share, like to try and uh, attack. Appease. Appease, and you say the right thing and then you try and play both sides of the fence, you're never going to win with that. I'm telling you.
2: We're going to close out Sports Talk after this break right here on WWL. Well, folks, WWL wants you to experience the National World War II Museum. It's one of the most magnificent museums in the world right now in our own backyard. You all got to take your family and explore the five awe-inspiring historical exhibits on their five-acre campus. Go to wwl.com slash contest to register to win a family pack of four tickets. That's four tickets to the National World War II Museum from WWL. Once again, just go to WWL.com slash contest. Tomorrow we got a short show getting ready for the LSU men's basketball team at Tennessee. Tough one in Knoxville for the Tigers. that will be a 6 p.m. tip off right here on WWL and the Odyssey app. Cajun Cannon, I know you got some stuff to take off off for tomorrow. I have to go check my neck. Take care of some business there so you we can get that straightened out and say good night to everyone we'll be talking to them soon
3: all right bon nuit. good night people who that go saints
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch visit your local T-Mobile store today